Hello and welcome into the Lockdown Wolves podcast. We are live on the postcast following the Timberwolves' huge win over the New Orleans Pelicans. Marty Gellner from Valley Sports North joins the show to break down the game. The Lockdown Wolves postcast starts right now. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. I'm joined by Marty Gellner for Valley Sports North. We're going to talk about the Timberwolves win over the Pelicans. And Marty, this was, in a lot of ways, a microcosm of the season, a roller coaster of a game after, frankly, a roller coaster of a season. Uh, and end of the day, though, the Timberwolves end up in the eighth seed. They they avoid backing into the play, and instead they they win on consecutive days and uh, beat the Pelicans to to lock down number eight in the West. Wild man, absolutely wild. And the Wolves came out so flat in this game this afternoon, and that just was so unexpected. And so you're kind of working through this, like what is going on, and then you have a shoving in the huddle, and there, I mean, the number of storylines that that emerged from this one game today is really incredible. I feel like I'm glad it was a 2.30 in the afternoon central time game because it's going to take the rest of the day to kind of soak it all in, everything that happened. But bottom line is the Wolves won a game they needed to win. The Lakers still won. Okay, so the Lakers take the seventh seed, but the Wolves needed to win this game, needed to win yesterday in San Antonio and took care of business in both. So now we move on. Yeah, and... uh like we're recording this five ish minutes after the the end of the game. And so we haven't heard all the post game, the pressers yet. We don't know exactly what is going to be said related to everything that happened. And you alluded to the, the Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert dust up in the huddle that uh, uh, apparently uh, the report nationally, I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reporting that Gobert threw a punch at Jaden McDaniels and that it apparently continued into the locker room at halftime. There was some sort of a shouting match. The Wolves apparently sent Rudy Gobert home. Um, and then the other thing is Jaden McDaniels was ruled out around halftime with a uh, a hand injury and there appeared to be some video of him perhaps taking out some frustration on a wall. We don't have all the details for that either. So, um, but two very... Um, like completely essentially really off the court type issues that when the wolves were, I mean, it was, it was a, in some ways incredible. They were only down by eight at halftime with how poorly they played yeah. early. You talked about them starting Agreed. so slow. What was Ant two of 10 at halftime. Um, and then you have all of this, this internal strife, I guess, right around halftime. And yet they come out of, of the break ready to go um, and, and have an incredible third quarter that puts them right back in the game. And Brandon Ingram having a career-high 21 points in the first quarter, a career-high 27 points at halftime. And it just seemed like, wow, this whole thing might just implode right here, right now, maybe on the court, maybe during this game. I don't know how it was, how it was going to shake out at that point. But it, um, the storylines were incredible. And for the Timberwolves to be where they were, even to be, you know, single digits or 10 down at certain times seemed amazing. I kept checking the score and kind of using that as a silver lining at times because Jaden McDaniels played nine minutes in this game and took one shot. That is the Timberwolves' best defender on a, on a day when, when Brandon Ingram did a lot of his damage while, while McDaniels was on the court. I don't know what was going on today, but for him to only have played nine minutes and Gobert to play 13 minutes, I mean, if we tell you that before the game happens, if we say, hey, heads up, you're going to get nine minutes from McDaniels and 13 from Gobert today, good luck. We're all in a panic. 
and thinking, oh, this is not going to end well. And then the way the Wolves poured it on and surged back into this game with some wild plays in the fourth quarter. I mean, what an incredible game. Yeah, we could talk about the defense on Brandon Ingram. And yes, he scored 42. Yes, he had a crazy first quarter. A lot of that with Jane McDaniels on the floor. Um, but when it mattered most down the stretch, I thought Anthony Edwards did an incredible job on Brandon Ingram. And Ant himself had a roller coaster of a game. We talked about his rough. First, he had, I think, six points at halftime on two of 10 shooting. He ended up turning it over eight times in the game, including in the final, what, 30 seconds. He stepped on, on the, uh, the sideline, sideline yeah. gave the ball back to the Pelicans for his eighth turnover of the game. But he also had this incredible stretch kind of baked in there. He finished with, I think, a career high or maybe tied a career high with 13 rebounds um, in a game where the Wolves struggled to rebound. They struggled with Jonas Valanciunas, as they always seem to. Brandon Ingram was on the glass a lot for New Orleans. Um, but the defense overall on Ingram, I thought, was pretty good. And I know he had 42, 12, and 7, and I know he shot you know better than 50% from the floor. But um, down the stretch, they stripped him a couple of times. They had help defense that showed up. Um, and had that really big steal and then ended up with a putback bucket on the other end. It was like the, those timely moments after a really terrible start defensively. The Wolves kind of came through down the stretch defensively on Ingram and really everybody else. I mean, as a whole, Ingram had a great game, but the Pelicans only shot 44% from the floor and they only made three three-pointers all game long. Um, and without their two best defensive players, all things considered, McDaniels and Gobert for most of the game, the Wolves turned in a pretty solid defensive performance. I don't know how they did it, but they they sure showed up when it mattered most. I would say the defense against Brandon Ingram got better and better as the game went on because there were a few baskets. There were probably a handful of baskets in the first half that were way too easy, and he just kind of weaved right to the lane for a layup. And those, I think even the Timberwolves would agree, um, unacceptable. But it got it definitely got better as the game went on. It got more urgent. Um, you mentioned Anthony Edwards. I thought. I thought his play just, I mean, there were, the sequence that he had with the the block, the turnover, then the and one. I mean, it just, it was, it was the microcosm of a game in one little sequence in the fourth quarter. Just absolutely wild. But when the Wolves needed to lock it down and when they needed to get this win and, and defend, they did. And they did it without the three-time defensive player of the year. And they did it without their best defender in Jaden McDaniels. So, I mean, that. There's a lot to like about guys being able to step up who just didn't look like they were ready for whatever reason to start the game. They somehow found it along the way and they were ready to close the game. No doubt. Yeah. And, and the Pelicans are a team that does a lot of damage from the mid range. They don't shoot a ton of threes anyway. So them being three of 21 from three, I mean, obviously the percentage is crazy. They shot 14%. They actually percentage wise are decent. They just volume wise. Don't shoot a ton. They do a lot of damage in the mid range. That's where Brandon Ingram scored the majority of his 42 points. He had he was nine for nine at the line, but he only made one three. A ton of that is mid-range damage. CJ McCollum's a great mid-range shooter. The Wolves generally struggle with the mid-range, and Rudy Gobert was struggling with it early in the game. He was actually, Jonas Valanciunas hit an early three, was, was shooting mid-range jumpers himself, and you know Gobert getting sent home at halftime, the Wolves kind of had to adjust what they were doing defensively, and I thought it actually made life more difficult for both, as you mentioned, as the game went on, I thought that, defense improved as well. Uh, but Ingram and McCollum like to do a lot of their damage from the mid range. And, and that's usually where the wolves struggle to defend the most. But in general, I thought that that was, was pretty good early in the game. Um, some of their bigger issues were on the glass. New Orleans had five or six offensive rebounds before the wolves mm -hmm. even had one. Uh, they're a good offensive rebounding team, even without Zion Williamson and the wolves were a minus seven on the glass for the game. It was so important, especially with no Rudy for the majority of this one too, for Ant to come down with 13 rebounds 
in a game where they were beat on the glass, you know, pretty soundly against a good rebounding team. I, that to me was something I was worried about down the stretch is those second chance points, those putbacks. The Wolves are actually the team that got a couple more of those late in this game. I had written down to after the first quarter of the rebounding advantage because it was so stark. It was 16 6 in favor of the Pelicans, and the Pelicans had six offensive rebounds. That was part of that lethargic start where New Orleans just looked amped up and ready to go, and they were grabbing, like snatching almost offensive rebounds right from the Wolves who looked like they they weren't, you know, the hands weren't working and the the, the body wasn't, like, didn't come to play. But um, the rebounding margin got evened out, and there was just... I don't know if it's like a, a light that clicked on or an urgency or maybe Ant was playing a little too tight or trying to get everybody else involved before he took it over. But he he started to take it over on the offensive end and in the rebounding and the way that he was coming in that that fourth quarter one where he looked like he just swooped in off like he was on a zip line or something. I mean, that was physically incredible to watch. And I feel like he hit some kind of other gear as this thing started to wind down and he knew that he had to wring every ounce of anything that he had in his body. So to get those 13 rebounds, I mean, he also, Ant had four assists. He had four steals. He had four blocks. I know he had the eight turnovers. It was like, he was just, he was all over doing everything. Not all of it was great at all the, all the time, but it was enough good that it made a dent and made a difference. And yeah, the 13 boards were certainly part of that. They were huge without Gobert in there. Uh, we should also talk about Torian Prince. Uh, Torian Prince ended up playing 35 minutes in in large part due to the McDaniels injury, and he scored 18 points in seven to 14 shooting. He had some moments where he was beat defensively. Certainly, I mean it's it's really I mean Ingram and McCollum are two extremely difficult covers, uh, and, and so I think you know. Prince isn't Jade McDaniels defensively, and but in general, he played really well uh, in 35 minutes, those 18 points. He actually was second on the team in individual plus minus for whatever that's worth, uh, but he was big down the stretch, drew an offensive foul late, um, and this is the time of year when you need those role players, those veterans, ideally, to really step up. Also, we could talk about Jordan McLaughlin, who had been kind of in and out of the rotation over the last week, didn't play sure. well uh, going back to the start of the, the most recent losing streak. Um, five points and five assists in 18 minutes was was solid as well. Um, but in general, a strong a strong bench showing, I thought, for the Wolves in this one. Yeah. Um, Torian Prince was a plus 14 in the game. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was Minnesota's highest plus-minus player. He was plus 16. And he only had three points. I mean, he was one for four from the floor in 16 minutes. But those two guys just came up with big plays, big stops. Um, Jordan McLaughlin had five assists. It just like even Wendell Moore Jr. came yeah. in and had yep. that offensive rebound and put back that I, I was just like, I mean, he hit. I'm looking at an ESPN stat sheet that says Wendell Moore Jr. played zero minutes, yep. which means he played 59 seconds or less. He didn't register in in the stat line, but he had a huge offensive rebound and put back and guys that just did little things at exact right time or just did enough of them to make a difference. Man, it was everything in this game. Uh, we should talk about our sponsors for today's show. That's our friends at Prize Picks. If you're wondering how Prize Picks works, it's really easy to play. You just pick two to six players, and if they'll score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. If you take an Anthony Edwards rebounds over this game, you'd be in great shape. He had 13 boards, as we've talked about. Prize Picks offers projections at any sport that you watch. That, of course, includes the NBA as well as the NHL heading into the playoffs. 
Uh, MLB is now up and going. PGA had a big tournament this weekend. College sports, anything you can find at Prize Picks. Make your entry in less than 60 seconds. It really is that easy. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Uh, Carlton Towns, we have only mentioned him kind of in passing, and he was probably, and I know Ant was had the great stat line that we've talked about. I would say Cats play, especially in that third quarter, kind of early in early mid third quarter, if I remember right, right after kind of all this news broke about Rudy and McDaniels. Um I would say Cat's performance is maybe most instrumental to keeping the Wolves in this one. He had that stretch where he scored like 9 of 11 for the Wolves. He finished with 30 points on 10 of 19 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3, got to the line 6 times, contributed 8 boards, only turned it over a couple of times. Yes, he was in some foul trouble. Um, I thought Chris Finch, by the way, did a great job kind of subbing offense for defense down the stretch, uh, yeah, really for a, right. a good chunk of the fourth quarter to keep Cat on the floor as much as possible. But Towns was really, really good in this, in this game, and it was great to see him step up in such a big moment again he and he was the center of the turning point when he hit those three consecutive threes because the wolves just they couldn't close the gap like um the pelicans couldn't run away with this game that was clear but the wolves couldn't get it they down to seven and now they're back to 11 and then it was you know they they couldn't they couldn't close the gap they couldn't tie it up they couldn't overtake the lead and then carl hit those three consecutive threes and it was the reaction too on the third one when they showed his dad and his girlfriend and and there's something extra that goes into that when you're at home and you feel like finally we finally got this thing to flip and i felt like carl was at the center of that physically with his baskets and emotionally with just hit the way that he reacted because right after that pelicans called the timeout and that's finally when the momentum turned and then we basically had that one to two possession game the whole rest of the way. Yeah, and it was good to see the Wolves close out a close game at home. The, the home record hasn't been great lately. Um, and of course, the second day of a back-to-back, and, and I understand that it was like, you know, pull out all the stops time, like they had to win this game, or, or at least that should have been the mentality. Uh, but still, to see them against a team that had everything to play for as well in the Pelicans, and, you know, obviously not having Zion's a big deal, but they've been playing without him for a while. If otherwise, full-strength Pelicans team, I mean, that makes this win all that much more impressive with all the in-game issues that occurred for the Wolves. And we'll have the next couple of days to unpack this, um, certainly leading into Wolves-Lakers, I believe, on Tuesday. Um, but, man, uh, all, all things considered, a really solid win. Fantastic to see, you know, two wins within 24 hours of of, of each other uh, to close the season. The Wolves finish with 42 wins on the season. They go to Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. And how about the storylines? You know, set it aside, whatever yeah. comes of the Gobert and McDaniel stuff. But... All of the storylines related to all the former Wolves that were on this Timberwolves right. team in the play-in last year. D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Um, and of course, Patrick Beverly was on this Lakers team earlier this year. It's such a, a crazy, I don't know that full circle is the right term here, but it's just a weird, um, I guess, juxtaposition here between this Lakers team and this Wolves team. But it makes for a fun kind of lead up into Tuesday. And the season series was pretty good between these teams. They only played three yeah. times, but... The, they're pretty well evenly matched. And I mean, f watching LeBron James still work at this point in his career is always something. And, and um, Anthony Davis has been really good lately, but that, you know, go to LA, the Wolves have won in LA. They've 
they've uh, they've played well against this team for the most part. And you get to you get to situations like this, and it's I mean, you could throw all predictions out the window because it's a it's a one win now that the Wolves are the eighth seed, one win and move on. If they lose, they'll get another chance. So this, I mean, it gets wild. This, I, lo- I love the the play-in. I think it's created so much good drama in the NBA. Now, if we don't get out of the play-in, I change my answer, and I hate the play-in. But um, as of right now, I just, I just think, given what we're looking at this week, including Wolves Lakers, I just think it's fantastic drama. And you bet, you got to show up. You got, you got one chance. It, it's pretty even here on out. You, here's your chance between seven, eight, nine, and 10. You know the rules. You know what you got to do. You, you feel like you belong. Go ahead. Then win a game. Win a game and show them you belong. Yeah, and look at it this way. If there wasn't a play-in, the Wolves would have finished with the eight seed and have to take on Denver in the first round. Right. And now you have a chance at the seven seed, which I guess is, is and obviously yeah. a second chance. If you mess up Tuesday, you get another go uh, on, I guess it would be Friday, I believe. Um, so then I believe then they would host the game on Friday if they lose Tuesday. But let's hope it doesn't get to that. Um all right, uh, we'll go live also on Tuesday night following Wolves-Lakers. Uh, of course, we'll talk all about in the Lockdown Wolves uh, postgame pod on Monday as well, as well as all the details related to time and all that stuff for Tuesday, Wolves-Lakers. But whenever that game is, we'll go live here at the Lockdown Sports Minnesota um, pot, or YouTube, excuse me. And then also, if you missed that live, you can also listen to this show. Uh, the, the live postcast with Marnie and I, we'll put it on the Lockdown Wolves feed after the fact as well. So we'll see you on Tuesday night after the game. A big thank you for watching. A big thank you for listening today. And we'll see you Tuesday. <coughs>